hear me now? Um, thank you, Papa and Mama, for this opportunity to speak. It's always such a blessing. And um, so here's the funny thing that always happens with me. Every time I am to speak, the Sunday before I am to speak, one of them ends up preaching something really, really, really close to what I'm about to speak on. So like a good daughter, I steal some of their points and add it to my sermon and come and give it to you guys on Wednesday night. Um, Sunday, I sat down and Mama was speaking and I turned to Daniel and I'm like, not again. She did it again. <laughs> this, I'm, I'm talking on something close to this. So I listened, I wrote, and you guys are going to hear it a second time. I hope you all don't mind. You don't. It's fine. Okay. So thank you. I love both of you so much. You're amazing parents and I've learned so much from you. I love you both. Um, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because the entrance of your word brings light. And I thank you because this evening you're going to be speaking, not me. I ask that every word that comes out is spirit and life. And I ask that it changes our lives and transforms us in Jesus' name. Amen. The church said amen. Y'all look a little excited today. It's my birthday, by the way. Okay, so today I'm talking on something I've titled, Guard Your Thirst. And um, it's, it's a different kind of, when I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to speak on this, I, I thought it's a little different from my style, if you get what I mean. You know, most times when you speak, you kind of have a style and what you like speaking on. So this was really different. And I'm like, oh, Lord, are you sure? Really, really? And then when Pastor Angela spoke on something close to this on Sunday, I'm like, awesome, I'm going to change my topic and preach on something more my style, you know? And, um, but I felt the Holy Spirit saying, no, speak on this. So I hope he blesses you as much as I believe it's going to bless me. Let's turn to Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. This is a very, very popular scripture, and um, I think it's been sung in a hymn that I love so much, but I'm not going to sing it so I don't scare you all away. Psalm 42 verse 1. I'm just going to read it from here. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. I'm going to read it again. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I'm stopping there. And y'all, it's okay. We can actually open our Bibles too. If you know, it doesn't come up on the screen, it's, it's awesome to flip your pages as well. So imagine a deer, a dog, whatever, an animal in the desert running. It's really hot. It's surrounded by miles and miles and miles of desert land. It is hot. This animal is tired. It's probably running away from predators. It's just running. And then it happens. It just comes by this stream of water. What do you think it's going to do? It's going to lap up that water and drink so fast. Think about it. Now, we are, 
I hate to say this, my children hate to be compared to animals, but we are like that deer. The predators are sin, the devil himself, our flesh. The desert is this world we're living in. It's dry and empty. It is vast, but it has nothing that can satisfy. But I have good news for you all. The living water is Jesus Christ. We have an out. We have a source of relief, and that is Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So, man, Kenneth Hagin, and I love him so much. I learned so much from his works and his transition to glory now, but he still blesses my life. He said man is he's a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Can we all say together? Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. So in each of these three aspects of man's life, God put in an appetite. In the body, there's an appetite for food. In the soul, there's an appetite for knowledge. And in the spirit, he put in an appetite for him. All of every single part has an appetite. Something needs to be satisfied. And you know, it's interesting that your appetite determines the state of your health. So once a person is ill, one of the first signs you know is, oh, they're not hungry anymore. They don't want to drink water. Everything just doesn't taste good to them. And researchers have said the body could go about 40 days without food. Now, I'm not talking supernatural like Jesus and Moses. I'm talking, you know, regular. The body could go 40 days without food, but can only go 7 to 14 days without water. That's how important water is to our very survival here on earth. And um, think about this. Now, imagine the deer. Now, imagine a deer running in the desert and not realizing it needs water. It sees a stream and it passes right by. It, it doesn't just occur that I need to drink water. If you could picture that, then you can imagine a Christian. And I'm not talking to people who are not saved. I'm talking to people who have seen God, who have experienced his power. You can imagine us going a day thinking, oh, I could do this by myself. I could survive today. I'm not so thirsty. You know, I have one of my closest friends. um, I call her my twin because we look alike. She had a medical condition many years ago, and um, I don't remember the name now. I'm horrible with medical names. But um, the condition prevented her body from absorbing enough water. So she could drink water, but it just, her body just won't take it in. And so after some time, she'll start to feel really sick. She'll go to the hospital, and she's severely dehydrated. It was a life or death illness for her because it was, it, it was just like a thin line between being alive and being dead just because her body could not recognize when it needed water and it could not just absorb all the water it needed. That's how dangerous it is for us as Christians, as believers. Thinking, well, I am not so... I'm talking about guarding your thirst. I'm not so, so thirsty I don't need enough, I I have enough water, I don't need some more. That is horribly dangerous, amen? So David, we all read through 1 Samuel um, a couple of months ago. 
A man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord. I mean, reading through Samuel again just made me appreciate David. Great man. He loved the Lord. Now, he was so sensitive in his prayer. And if you all haven't read it, you can go back. It's fine. He was so sensitive in his spirit. He wouldn't even kill Saul. Saul was chasing after him. I bet if I were the one, I mean, (laughs) and I saw Saul in that cave. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for delivering my enemies into my own hands. But David was so sensitive. He had the opportunity to kill Saul, and he's like, I would not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. And you remember when, when someone came at the end and said, oh, I killed Saul at the battle. What did David do? If you I don't have any gift cards to give out today. But let's see, if anybody, <laughs> let's see if anybody remembers. What did David do? He killed the person. He killed the soldier that came out and said, oh, I killed Saul. And the soldier thought he was probably doing David a favor. And David is like, how dare you raise your hand against the Lord's anointed. That's how sensitive he was in his spirit. Why? Turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 63, verse 1. Why was he that sensitive? Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. David actually wrote this psalm while he was in the wilderness of Judea, running away from Saul. He knew what it was like to be thirsty for God. I mean, this was a man, if anybody had any reason to complain, it was David. If anybody had any reason to be discouraged, it was him. Very few things worked out well for him, if you think about it. There were so many valleys and mountains, and his life was just some sort of roller coaster. But in the midst of this all, he was saying, Lord, this is all I want. I thirst after you. But let me tell you something that happened when his thirst went unguarded. One moment, he was thirsting after God, panting after God. He's like, early will I seek you. Not at bedtime. Early in the morning, I'm up wanting to know you, running after you. And then just for a moment, his thirst went unguarded. And something happened in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and Beg- and it goes on and goes on and goes on. But here's the important part. It was a time where kings usually went to battle. Now this is a man who I don't know if you all remember, but back in the day, in the book of Samuel, when it's time for battle, there's something the kings would do. They'll go inquire of the Lord. Lord, do we go? Are we going to win? What's going to happen? And God will say, go. Typically, at those moments, the king's hearts were thirsting after God. They were wanting to talk with God. But see, David was a little content. He wasn't so thirsty at that moment. So he's like, I'll sit this one out. Job, go on, go on, guys. I'll just stay in my palace and just stroll around my grounds and just relax, you know? I mean, we've done a lot of fasting. We just fasted in January as a church. 
February. I mean, March just, it feels, we had winter in February. We really just need a break in March. We'll just relax. You know, I mean, and then if you read that chapter, I'm not going to read all of it. Something led to something, led to something. He was there and he saw Bathsheba. And then he fell into temptation, and he slept with Bathsheba, and Bathsheba just had to get pregnant. And he's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Okay, let's kill her husband. And on and on and on and on it went till he had killed an entire human being just to cover up his sin. This was David that was so sensitive he could not kill Saul. Now, David killed a man, and guess what? He didn't even know he had sinned. In chapter 12, God had to send Nathan, the prophets, to tell him, you have sinned. This is a man who did not guide his thirst for God. From one moment he was on fire, the next moment he was content, and slowly he just slipped. So that if not for God's mercy, we probably won't even read about him today. That's what happens when you're th- there is no stagnancy in the, in, in the spirit realm. You're always moving. You're either moving towards or moving away. You're never on one spot. And that's a trick of the enemy. He always tries to tell us, you're doing good. You're doing good. He, he makes you feel content. Like, you're fine. It's okay. But what's actually happening is, well, my, my foot is hurting, so I can't do the backslide. What's actually happening is you're moving backwards, slowly but surely. Amen? It happens to me very often, believe it or not. And I'm sure it happens to you too, if you're honest. One moment you're thirsty for God. Lord, I need you. Lord, I, I want to see your face. I mean, you're on the floor before him. You're just crying out to him. Reveal yourself to me. You can't wait to get into church. You can't wait to hear the sermon. It's like when pastor is preaching. It's like someone is, has given you a beautiful dish and you're just eating it all up. And then a few moments later, and I'm saying this in SpongeBob's voice, you are just regular. You're still doing the motions. Don't get me wrong. You're still coming to church. Still even reading your Bible. Maybe where you were praying an hour and you were praying and, you know, you look at the time and one hour is over. I'm telling you, story of my life now, this happens to me. You're praying and, oh, mama, mama, mama. What? Just five minutes. Mama, mama. What's happening today? I guess this watch is broken. (laughs) And all of a sudden, it's not just, it's not just, you know, it's not just flowing. And if you're like me, you may not catch it very easily. You'll feel, oh, I'm so good. I'm still coming to church. Never missed a service. Still, you know, loving God. Still reading my Bible. Although now my Bible feels like a storybook. Doesn't feel like the revealed word of God anymore. It's not quite as interesting. This is how I catch myself. I love the Psalms. I love to read the Psalms. So every time I read the Psalms at night, I know my spiritual life is slipping. You know why? Because I look for the very short one to read. <laughs> the short, oh, awesome. I've read for today. Check, done, and I sleep off. That's how I know that there's something wrong with you. I don't know, you all may be more spiritual than me, and you guys are just on fire, fire, fire. But if anybody here at all 
is like me and sometimes your thirst goes down, I'm trying to tell you this evening, watch it. It's so, so easy. So, so easy to forget how much your life depends on water. So easy to forget who you need. So easy to forget the living water you need. Amen? Amen, people. You know, the thirst for God I'm talking about is not just regular thirst. It's a thirst that is born out of desperation. It's not... You see the Israelites, when they were going through the the wilderness, at some point they were so thirsty. They said, Moses, we need water. They were so desperate for water. You know what God did? He brought water out of a rock. That's the kind of thirst God is looking for with us. The desperation that says, God, I need you and I need you now. Not the calm, we could go to church, we may not. We, you know, not, not the relaxed thirst many of us Christians have. And you know, the interesting thing about thirsting after God is that it's a continuous cycle. So you thirst after God, you get water, living water. And you know what that water does to you? It makes you even more thirsty. God put it in us that way so we'll always need him. So we're never satisfied enough to say, I could do this by myself. So we're always, always chasing after him. The Bible says, if you search for me with all your heart, not a part of it, not the convenient part of it, all, you'll find me. Amen, people. So here are some signs you need to watch out for. Some things you need to, bless you, Some things you need to check out if you're thirst, uh, to check and make you know, boy, I need to sit up and guard my thirst. Here, I'm going to give you a few ones. Some may apply to you, and I need you, this is actually more of a self-examination kind of sermon, so I really need you to think on this yourself and see what are some areas, what are some, some things that happen that make me know my thirst is going down. One of the things is you're so busy. Pastor Angela talked about this a bit on Sunday. Your life is full of every other thing. You can only take him in small sips. Maybe two hours on Sunday, I could take a sip of him. One hour on Wednesday. One hour, 30 minutes is pushing it. The week, no way. My schedule is crazy. You don't understand how crazy my schedule is. We're talking work, full-time job, the children's games, friends to visit, things to do. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing all of these things. But there's a problem when these things begin to take over your thirst. That's where you know there's a problem. There's nothing. I love watching games. I'm not athletic. I didn't do any sports. I wish one of my kids would at least take after. Daniel didn't do any sports, so I don't know who they're going to take after. But whoever they take after, I'd like to see at least one of my children do a sport. That's great. I work. I like the income that comes with working. I have a business. That's all awesome. But when I allow these things steadily push my thirst away, it's like being thirsty for water and someone giving you soda. I mean, it's something, but it's not water. It's not what you need to survive. Amen? Sometimes even being busy with church activities 
you are doing everything at church. And you remember one time when Sunday school in the other room, Pastor Joe, you're like at some church you were at, you guys had a committee that had to meet on another committee. I mean, it was like a committee of people that had to meet to decide something for another committee. I mean, they're like meetings, 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 meetings everywhere. Sometimes all these activities, I'm not saying they're wrong. We do need to meet. We do need to do some of these things to oil the machine that runs the church. But see, when they take over your personal thirst for God, you need to watch it. Amen? Another thing you need to check out is what is flowing out of your belly. Open to John 7, verse 38, please. The book of John, chapter 7, verse 38. It says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, well, New King James says heart, but Old King James says belly, will flow rivers of living water. That's the way to check out and see if you're thirsty. That's a thirst check. What's flowing out of you? If you are thirsty for God, you would seek after him. He would fill you up. And what would flow out of you are the things he has filled into you. So I'm going to use myself as a personal example. And I really hate to talk about politics. I think I'm the person who hates to talk about politics the most. But you all have to excuse me to talk about it now because it kind of goes with what I'm saying. Um, So last year, with all of the stuff going on, the elections, a lot of drama everywhere, this party versus this party, this person versus this person, it looked like it was going to be the end of the world, honestly. I'm surprised we're still here. (laughs) But it was so much tension. But what bothered me the most was the church of God, the body of Christ. There was so much division. Oh, my God. It was like, if you're here, you're on your way to hell. If you're here, you're on your way to hell. Everybody hated everybody. It was a, we're going to die here kind of mentality, you know. I'm not talking here as this church. I'm talking the general body of Christ. There was so much division. I remember I'll sit down and I'm like scrolling through the streets of Facebook. And it's like this person attacking this person and another friend attacking this and. I'm like, at the end of this election, I'll probably have no friends because all my friends have killed each other. I started to get very agitated. And um, I'm telling you, using myself as an example, I allowed it to get to my thirst. So I realized what started flowing out of me, and my 9 o'clock people could testify, what started flowing out of me was a whole lot of venting. I'll come here and say, and Pastor Larry's on, I'm like, hold on, I need to vent a bit. (laughs) I I just need to let this out because I saw this on Facebook on my way here this morning, and I am so upset. And I would vent and vent and vent and vent and vent and talk his ear off, talk Pastor Joe and Miss Pat's ears off, and I would just go on for a long time. And then one day I decided, you know, Lord, I'm going to pray about this. Honestly, I wasn't really bothered about the people who were contesting, I was more bothered about how I thought it was affecting the body of Christ. So I said, Lord, I went and I prayed. I'm like, God, why? Why are you letting your body be divided by politics of all things? Politics that won't even take us to heaven. Why are we so, why is everybody so agitated? Why are we hating on each other? And you know what the Holy Spirit told me? He reminded me, he said, Noja, first of all, you are the problem. He said, The two people 
at the front row, and I'm not calling names because I know we're streaming. (laughs) The two people contesting, (laughs) you all know them. He told me, he said, I created both of them, and I love both of them with an everlasting love. I love both of them with an everlasting love their followers would never fathom. It just blew my mind. I'm like, I mean, I know God loves everybody, but when he gave me that everlasting love, he's like, I don't even know why you're agitated. These two people, I died for them, and I say I love them. And I'm like, okay, okay, Lord. And he's like, you know what you should worry about? Yourself. Why don't you focus on yourself? I forget about two people that I have already died for. I forget about an end, I, a, a journey I already know how it will end. I know the end from the beginning. Why are you so agitated? Pastor Larry, I bet you realize I haven't vented in a while. <laughs> <laughs> It just, it just calmed me down. I realized what was coming out of my belly was agitation, anxiety. You need to check what is coming out of you. Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it stress? That is one way to measure where your thirst is at. Because if you're filled with him, he's what will come out of you. If you're filled with every other thing, every other thing will come out of you. If we're filled with him, many things that are a problem won't even be a problem. Many of the things we argue about as believers, we we won't at all. It'll be fine. But when we're filled with everything, everything the media is saying, everything, like me, people are posting on Facebook, every other thing but him, there's no way you won't get agitated. A couple of weeks ago, we were at, my kids were at the grandparents, and, um, well, people who have grandchildren here, you know that anytime your kids go over to the grandparents, they get to eat everything. They don't eat at your house. So the grandma here gives them dessert multiple times and anything they want. They know well when we're at their house never to ask me for anything. They go straight to her and say, Grandma, could we have brownies? And she's like, take, take it. And I'm like, it's enough. They've had enough. She's like, leave them alone. Most times I talk with my sister Gracie, we just laugh about how much parents change when they become grandparents. And we're like, it's like an alien has invaded them. Something. This is not the person I used to know. So anyways, we're at their house that evening, and as usual, Grandma was determined to feed them anything they so desired. There was pizza and everything at all. Anything. Take as many. What, what, you need a meal when there's dessert. Just eat anything you want. And I know Grandpa was telling me my son, Zanny, had gone to meet him, and he, Grandpa put his arms around my son. And my son is like, no, don't hold me so tight. My tummy is so full. Like, if you hold me so tight, it hurts. I thought about that today, and I I realized he was so full of the food and snacks his grandma gave him, he didn't have space for any other thing. That's how we should be so full of the living water. We don't even have space for fighting. We don't have space for stress. 
We don't have space for all of these other things the desert offers. Because we're so full. We can't take seconds. This is what God wants for us. He doesn't want a church that is busy with everything but him. He doesn't want a church that runs after everything but him. And that brings me to my third point. When you want more of what he can give than who he is. Again, I told you this is a self-examination type of sermon, so I really want you to think about these things. And I want you to think about how you pray, your prayer life, and think about the things you're telling the Lord. There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord for praying for your wife, your husband, your children, your business, your health. It's awesome. But what point are we going to just ask God, God, I want you? Where's the space for that one? Again, don't get me wrong. We could pray for these things. He wants to hear our needs. He, he actually told us to bring our needs to him. But when that is all we talk to him about, when that is all we bring down to the table, God, I, you promised. You promised you were going to give me this job. You promised my daughter was going to do this, my husband and my wife and my neighbor and my dad and my mom and my everything. It's like saying, God, I want everything you have to offer but you. I want all the things you can give me, but hold on with yourself for a little bit. That's one way to check your thirst level. And you know, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, Three times he asked him, do you love me more than these? Do you love, I, I, I imagine, and I think Daniel, I'm sure you remember, it was so profound when we got ordained as pastors. That was one of the scriptures they asked us. Do you love me more than these? And the pastor who was training us then, the final stages, baby, I don't know if you remember, she's like, and when I say these, I mean your husband, your children, your own life. Do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than your husband? Do you love me more than your children? Do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than your own life? Now that was awkward silence when she said that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I mean. <coughs> and <laughs> but it made me think very deeply. You know how Matthew says, seek ye first the kingdom? That's the kind of love God is looking for. A thirst that is him, 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 him. He'll give you all the things you want. They'll follow. But it's him first. It's the stream of living water first. That's what he wants. And you know, this, this reminds me of a great man of God I respect. Bishop Ukwai, he's a Nigerian. And God, you know, has used him greatly around the world. And I, I think in 86, now I wasn't born then, when um, Ronald Reagan was president, he was, he was brought to the United States to pray over Ronald Reagan. And his ministry has gone around the world, and God has used him really mightily. I was listening to him the other day, and he was sharing how um, he was going for a program, and he was going to speak at the program. So he had a van filled with his band, his worship team. They were going to sing. And then there was him. He was going to preach. He was in the car with his wife, two of his sons, 
and his cousin, and they were driving. And all of a sudden, they got to a bridge, and there was an accident. And the car tipped over into the water. And, um, I mean, it was horrible. He he came out. He he was a good swimmer, went back in, was able to pull out his kids, pull out his wife. And by the time he brought his two children out, they weren't breathing. So he was in the car, and he said, take them to the car, take them to the car. So all of them, no, I think, I don't know what happened again. There was another car, I don't know. They were trying to get into a car with the children. And then right at that moment, another vehicle comes and hits them. Cut long story short, he lost his two sons. As he was, <laughs> it was such a, it's, it's such a Nigerian version of the Job story. Because right at that moment, someone came and told him that his van was involved in an accident. And the, the van had um, burst in flames and they didn't even know how many people had died. And he says he was there by the roadside looking at his boys who were lifeless. And he told his wife, well, I'm going on to preach. And he said he realized at that moment that everything I feel I have, none of it is really mine. Everything I hold on to so dearly, none of it is really mine. The only thing I have is my thirst for God. So he went on. (laughs) I can't, anytime I hear that story, I get chills. He went on with his two boys. He left them, literally taking the words of Jesus, let the dead bury their dead. And he went on and he preached a powerful sermon. Many people got saved that day. I sit down now and I think about it. And I say, no, just can you do that? If something happened to your husband, if something happened to your children, would you, thirst, would you still thirst after God or would you only thirst after him if everything goes great? What about in times of adversity? Is it going to affect your appetite for him? Y'all turn with me to John 7 verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus is standing and he's crying out to you, If anyone is thirsty, come. Come and drink. That's what he's doing. That's why he came. And that man was able to recognize the voice of Jesus, even in the midst of tragedy. And he's like, Lord, it's you first. I put you first. And that's a very hard thing to do, people. It's, it takes a special level of grace to do that. But guess what? His grace is available to us in times of adversity and in times of prosperity. He doesn't want us to only run after him when we're, when we're cold, when everything is fine. Neither does he only want us to run after him when there are problems. He wants us to pursue after him in and out of season. Because we need water. Amen? Amen. If you remain in the shallow end long enough, you'll get used to it. If you do with a little bit of water long enough, you'll get used to it. It'll become the new normal for you. 
if you let your thirst go down just a little bit, you'll get used to that level. And then it'll go down a little more and you'll get used to it. And then it'll go down a little more. And after a while, you won't even know. And I see it a lot in church. Many people who, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Really? Really? You can't see any fruit. They're operating on on the water they drank 30 years ago when they got saved. They've let their thirst go. But they don't even know it. They feel... You know, I'm, do you know, I mean, there are people who usually ask, do you know who I am? Do you know how long I've been a dickin? Do you know how long I've been saved? Do you know how many boards I'm on? Do you know, I mean, I, I remember someone told me once, I was already teaching the word before you were born. I'm like, all right, all right. Don't get your feathers ruffled, calm down. But he was a praetor, he told me that, because he was a praetor on the anointing God had given him eons ago the waters he had drunk many years ago there was nothing fresh how do you guard your thirst and i'm rounding up here number one you need to realize that god wants you to be thirsty god doesn't want you to ever be satisfied if you open to the book of revelations 22 verse 17 you'll see what he says there God wants to satisfy your thirst. He needs you to be thirsty so he can can give you living water. He says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Everybody say freely. Can you say louder? Freely. Let's open to Isaiah And I know this isn't a message to get us all jumping and saying, yes, yes, we receive it. It's, it's a message that will make you think and examine if your thirst for him is the way it should be. Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. You see? Thirst. And then water before the blessing. It's not the other way around. This is another way to say, seek ye first the kingdom, and then the blessing will be added. You thirst after him, he gives you water, and everything you need comes after that. You thirst after him, he gives you water. The things you need don't come immediately. You keep thirsting after him. You thirst after him, he gives you water. What you need happens immediately. You keep thirsting after him. Are you seeing the pattern God wants us to have? Are, are, you, are, you, are we following? Yes? No? Number two, how to guard your, te- your thirst. You need to read the word like a starving person. You need to read the word like your entire life depends on it. And I think this is one way the devil gets us as believers. Because he makes it look like the Bible is the most difficult thing to read. Especially when you get to the books where he has, and these begat. Well, I grew up reading King James, so a lot of the Bible verses I know are in the old King James. And it's, and this begat this, and that begat that, and that begat that, and that begat <laughs> that, that, that. And th- from this to that was ten generations. And then this begat, and I'm like, oh my God, could we get to the end of this already? And there are those chapters of the Bible that are a little, they're not as easy to understand as some others. 
And then there are the ones like the minor prophets that, you know, during the lockdown, my kids were like, must we read this once? I'm like, yeah, they're in the Bible, honey. There are those ones you just want to skip over. You know, when you're getting towards the end of the Old Testament, you just want to quickly flip over and get to Matthew, like ignore those other guys. But you need to read every part of the word like your life depends on it. You know why? Because your life actually depends on it. We can't mix and match. I'll read today and I won't read tomorrow. I'll skip today and I'll read this to cover me for the the entire week. We don't do that with our physical food. You don't eat on Sunday and say, well, I guess I'll be eating my next meal on Sunday because I've had a large meal now. I just had a Whataburger patty melt and that will be good till next Sunday. All right, bye. Probably going to end up in ER. Why do we do that with the Bible? We read it on maybe Saturday because we have to get the gift card on Sunday. And then that's it, till the next Saturday. And then Saturday, ho, 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 quickly get it down, get it down. That's not what God wants for He doesn't want that for his people. He wants a heart that thirsts after him. A heart that wants him in the quiet, in, by yourself, with other people. He just wants you to want him. Number three, don't depend on your feelings. You know, that's another thing that gets us. For me personally, when I'm not as thirsty as I should be, one of the things I realize is I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I honestly just don't feel like it. And then I also realize that I have four children, and all of them are between the ages of nine and four. There are some days I don't feel like parenting. I don't feel like adulting. Adulting is overrated. There are some days I really just want to like, I mean, and my children, grandma and grandpa, you know this, they wake up at 6 a.m. no matter what happens. There are some days I really just want to be on my bed at 6 a.m. I don't want to open my door. And they're mommy, mommy, and I just want to cover my head and sleep. I will hear y'all are mothers of the year. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but there's some days I really just don't want to get out of bed. Not because I'm depressed or anything. I really just want to sleep. I'm tired. But I have to. I can't depend on how I feel at that moment and say, kids, you know what? No breakfast today. Mommy isn't getting out of bed. I force myself to get out of bed. I force myself to be an adult. There are some days I don't feel like going to work. I have my own business. There are some days when I was running my business, I didn't feel like going. I felt like sitting at home and watching a movie. But you know what? The responsibility of an adult, you feel like it, you don't feel like it, you have to do it. That's the responsibility of a spiritual person. You feel like reading your Bible, you don't feel like reading your Bible, you do it. You feel like praying, you don't feel like praying, you do it. Because it is not as many as are led by their feelings. It's as many as are led by the Spirit. These are the sons of God. Your feelings have very little to do with anything, to be honest. But it looks like it's everything, you know. I read my Bible, I just don't feel that fire. And I I hear a lot of, sometimes we say, I feel like God is far away from me. But he's not. Because he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be with you. So he is there. If you depend on how you feel at that moment, you'll miss out on a lot. So you consistently, 
in and out of season. You don't feel like reading your Bible, that's the time to read it even more. You don't feel like praying, pray harder. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Trust me, I do this myself. I told you all I check my watch every other minute on those days when I don't feel like it. But I make sure I don't get out of that chair till I'm done with my time. The first day is going to be a struggle. Second day will be a struggle. Third day will be a struggle. And because sometimes I'm really stubborn, fourth day, fifth day may be a struggle. But after some time, something breaks even. And I get that communion once again. And I get that thirst once again. But imagine if I had given up on day two. I would never, ever connect with him the way I want to. Number four, pray for your thirst. Luke 22, verse 31. And this is something we have to do very often as believers. Luke 22, verse 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Do you know how many of us Satan is asking for to sift as wheat? (laughs) You know that's all he does, you know, right? Moving to and fro, looking. Oh, here's Pastor Bill Johnson today. Let's try him. Ah, nah. Let's move on to Miss Teresa. He's moving to and fro. He wants to sift you like wheat. And you know how he can do it? By getting your thirst down. So you need to pray for your spiritual life. You need to pray for your thirst. And how do you pray? Lord, make me thirsty for you. Make me hungry for you. Sometimes it's okay not to say, Lord, fill me. Because you really are not even hungry or thirsty at that moment. It's okay to say, Lord, make me thirsty first. Make me want you. Make me desire you. The more you pray that, the more you see you would want him. The more you want him, the more you go after him. The more you get him, the more you go after him. It's a never-ending cycle. Amen. Lastly, surround yourself with thirsty people. Look for other people that are thirsty and let those guys be your buddies. Those are the people you want to be with. Sometimes I'm not smart enough to realize when my thirst is going down, but I have my personal Nathan, and that's my husband. He is very fast to notice when I'm starting to be off. And he says, because he doesn't, he works in Nigeria, so he calls me sometimes, I talk on the phone, and he's like, babes, have you prayed today? I'm like, of course, remember, when your thirst is going down, everything that comes out of your belly is not the right thing. So I'm like, what, are you my police now? Are you monitoring my prayer life? Are you the prayer police? Why are you asking? Do I sound like someone who hasn't prayed? And he's like, well, just say, you know, if you haven't, I know you could be busy, you, you may want to, <laughs> you may want to pray. He picks up on it very fast. You may not have a Nathan in your life, you may not have any family or anybody to tell you, but guess what, you have the Holy Spirit. That's the most important sensor you need. He would tell you really fast, uh-uh, careful there, your thirst is going down. Careful there, you're not on fire anymore. In John 14, 26, he says he will teach you everything. He's with you for this reason, to guard your thirst. Amen, people. I really want us to sit and think about these words we've heard and, and realign ourselves to him. 
realign our desires to his desires, realign our ways to his realign our hearts to his heart. We can't do Christianity the way we're doing it. Things have to change. We can't change our world the way we are. A dry people cannot bring change. We need to be wet. We need to be soaking. We need to be full. And then when we move, we move as an army. Amen, people. Let us pray. I want you to say these words after me. Say, Lord. Please say them out. Say, Lord. Put in me a thirst for you. Holy Spirit, always remind me to watch my thirst. I don't want my thirst to ever go down. I want to chase after you. I want to seek you with all my heart. And I know I will find you. And Lord, I pray for everyone here and everyone watching online. I ask, Lord, that you just reignite this fire in us, Lord. Give speed to our feet as we run through this desert of life. Show us what points to stop, what points where we need to take a sip of water, what points where we need to drink you. Help us always be thirsty. Help us always want you. You're standing, Lord, and you're saying, come, if anyone is thirsty, come and drink of me. Lord, we are the people. We're not going to use our children or our husbands or wives or our jobs as excuses anymore. We're saying, yes, Lord, we're coming to drink after you. We're coming to drink off you because you're the river that never runs dry. You are the well of living water. And Lord, we know that as we drink of you, you will bring life to every dead area in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed in pastor's words.